Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. We're up to the second day of the 12 days of the Comic Source. So hope everyone's having a joyous and happy holiday season. Uh, as always on Wednesdays, Creator on Spotlight. And I have a, a couple of creators here to talk about their book. Uh, I discovered it at last, uh, Los Angeles Comic Con. It's absolutely fantastic. A lot of uh, nostalgia, you know, for someone like me, grew up in the 80s. So uh, Sean Boyd and Elijah Henry are here to tell us about their book called uh, Winona Forever. So uh, we'll start with you, Sean. Give us a quick uh, intro and we'll let you drop the uh, elevator pitch for the book uh, as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, hi, I'm Sean Patrick Boyd and um, I'm a writer. I've uh, um, been a copywriter in advertising for a long time and done, done some other things, you know, as we, as we do in life. We have chapters, but always been a storyteller and writer. Uh, and then, uh, you know, wrote a screenplay for, uh, called Winona Forever. And uh, during the pandemic, I thought, you know, probably not a lot of movies going to get made for a while. So let me try to shift gears. I want to like keep this rolling along and thought, what if I rewrite this as a graphic novel? And so I did that. And, uh, you know, here we are today uh, with uh, we've got two parts of four in this series already done, uh, which is really exciting. And um, just a quick overview, like you said, what's the elevator pitch for this thing? Uh, so Winona Forever is about four teenage misfits who have to find a powerful relic that they believe is hidden in their otherwise really boring hometown. Um, and they need to find it before this dangerous secret society does. So it's a bit of a nod to uh, Goonies from the 80s, back to your, your comment about nostalgia, Jace, uh, but also um, Stranger Things of today, which I, I feel like owes a lot to Goonies and stories like that. So, uh, you know, if you like either of those two stories, you'll probably also enjoy Winona Forever. Cool. Uh, Elijah, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you uh, came to be a part of the project? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Elijah. And um I met Sean through a mutual friend. I uh, worked with this particular friend on a, on a website in a very short uh, time time span. And um, she recommended me to, to him. And uh, he reached out to me through my website and told me about this story, which just the synopsis already kind of brought me in. Just an adventure story, a, a, a fun Indiana Jones, Goonies-inspired story. And I, I usually do a lot of horror work, a lot of scary artwork and, and stories. So to to be given the opportunity to work on something a little different to challenge myself that that was already um super interesting to me um but then i got this script eventually from sean and i i think we agreed on reading a few pages and then me getting back to him and i ended up reading the whole thing because i was just engrossed with it and i just i just could imagine what the characters looked like i was just super excited to to um to bring some of those characters to life in some way and so um we did some character designs to, to start off with i think you can see a few of them behind behind sean there um the very first times that i ever drew those characters and once we once we both kind of saw what those looked like i think we were both really excited to to start the project so yeah like like sean said we got two parts in the works part three is is days away from being from being completed i'm working on it as we speak um and uh and yeah it's been super exciting and i'm super grateful for this for this experience and for uh for sean's partnership cool well sean uh you know this is a classic formula right like we you, you know we, we see it so many going back to the little rascals even you know goonies <laughs> we mentioned stranger things you know the, the, this group of kids get together and they go on an adventure and certainly it speaks to that age group. Cause I remember when I was a 
you know, that age, 12, 13, whatever, you wanted adventure, you wanted excitement, life seems so boring, you know, and now all of us, of course, would love to be able to go back to those carefree days of, uh, you know, not having bills and jobs and responsibilities and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but l- let's go over the characters because they're each sure. sort, of, sort of unique. So give us your uh, kind of breakdown of, of each of the individual characters. Uh, obviously, in, in brief, we won't go too spoilery and want people to discover for themselves. But uh, and, and then we'll give uh, Elijah a chance to talk about uh, design of, of each of the characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, for th- those that are watching on screen, you, you know, you can kind of see a little grid here and then behind Jace too. But for those of you that aren't on screen, um, we'll do a quick description. So there are four principal characters in it. Um, and again, there are four teenagers. Uh, they're all around 13 or 14. So they're in eighth grade. Um, and I, I said it at that point because that was a really formative time in my life, uh, eighth grade. It was a really tough time. And I really felt like an outsider and that I didn't fit in. But I had a little tight group of friends. And somehow we as misfits did sort of fit in with one another. We used to play a role playing game uh, called Star Frontiers, which, you know, kind of a Dungeons and Dragons esque game, but in space. And we did that every day at lunch. So took some inspiration from that. Um, But our four characters, principal in uh, Winona Forever, are Boots, who is a 13-year-old girl, and she's kind of the leader of the group. Uh, She is uh, super tough. She doesn't let anybody, you know, mess with anyone in her group. Now, (laughs) she is a little harsh sometimes on her friends, as, as we can be with our own group of friends, but no one else can do that. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, uh, she's a loyal, uh, actually kind of a, a real softy underneath as you go along, you see that that, uh, tough exterior is really masking a really soft underbelly. Um, but boots, uh, she's so-called because she actually wears boots, you know, as, as kids, I kind of took, um, inspiration for the fact that like, as a kid, we always had nicknames for each other and they're always fairly obvious, like about something that you did, you know, like if you ate Snickers bars all the time, you might get the nickname Snickers, right? So I didn't want to make the names too complex. It was like, well, Boots, she wears Doc Martin boots. She's a bit uh, ahead of her time in both her music taste um, and um, just her kind of experience in the world. So she wears an REM t-shirt um, and in 1987, if you wore an REM t-shirt, you would have been on the cutting edge. They weren't, you know, yet a known band the way they became in the 90s and they became huge. So she she uh, is on the cutting edge of music and such. Uh, and then we've got Darby uh, and the story kind of Darby is sort of the launching point for the story. Um, he's sort of the reason they have to go on the adventure. Um, something happens uh, to someone he loves and they believe that this relic is the thing that is going to save the day. So uh, Darby is, again, kind of the you know engine of the story. He's sort of our every kid in it as well. Uh, but kind of a few specifics about him. He's he is um, really in, he's he's kind of a brainiac, he, as all of these kids are. They're really smart, which is one of the reasons they're um, called the outcasts, um, because they do get picked on for being so smart. Um, but Darby really knows Latin uh, really well. That's one of his things that kind of makes him stand out. And that comes into play in the book specifically. Um, because, you know, what eighth grade kid knows Latin? Um, uh, I had to take Latin uh, every day in seventh grade. So it's a little bit that he's based upon me there. 
I wonder if uh, that's why he's my favorite, you know? Really? He's such a great guy, Sean. Darby just, spe- he speaks to me. It, it, yeah, that, that's the one that I relate to. Be, you know, being outcast for always having the answer, you know? You're yes. in class. God, why does he always put his head? Why does he always know the answer? Shut up. <laughs> yes. No, it's true. I, I in eighth grade, I, I just one thing that really got to like stung. And it's funny looking back in retrospect, but I had a kid in my class because I moved to a new school, new town. And she said, I think you're a robot created by the administration to destroy the curve. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I mean, now I think it's hilarious. At the I time, think. I was really hurt by it because I did feel like an outsider. And it was just further evidence that people thought, you know, I was an outsider and bad for it. Uh, and then the last two, uh, maybe coming to, to my favorites here, um, sci-fi, uh, who is so named because he loves sci-fi, he loves science fiction, um, and he also loves science. Uh, sci-fi doesn't believe in anything that can't be proven by science. So any supernatural, he has a reason for, you know, he can explain why, okay, phenomenon exists. Uh, and that's part of his journey in the book is, he finds that maybe there are some things that don't necessarily fit in with science. Uh, and that's that's kind of the journey that he goes on. Um, and also the other journey he goes on is he has a love interest that is kind of unexpected for him. And it's also, he doesn't quite know what he's feeling. Uh, so that that's part of, you know, that, that uh, his storyline too, kind of drawn from that wonderful time when, you know, you're 13, 14 and you're experiencing like, you know, feelings for someone for the first time, and you're not quite sure what to do with it or what it means, uh, or if they like you. Uh, so there's a bit of a, you know, excitement to that. And sci-fi, he's kind of the lens through which we're seeing that really. Um, and then lastly, there's Pretty Boy. And Pretty Boy is, <laughs> he got to, gets his nickname because he loves style and fashion. Uh, he, he, and he doesn't mind that people call him Pretty Boy. He embraces it. It's a badge of honor. Uh, so Pretty Boy is this kind of a lovely character, uh, someone that's kind of self-possessed at a young age, knows who they are, and they're okay with, you know, not really fitting in. Uh, and then Pretty Boy, he loves a couple things most in life. The first one is Winona Ryder, who is from Winona, Minnesota, which is where the story takes place and where I'm from. So Winona Ryder gets her name from Winona, Minnesota, where she was born. And in the book, Pretty Boy says Winona Ryder is going to come back one day and become his girlfriend. And of course, you know, this is this is a dream that <laughs> things that we say as teenagers and, you know, your friend, they're his friends are like, you're you're dreaming. That's never going to happen. But he's certain it will. Um, he so Winona Ryder, and then he also loves George Michael, the musician singer George Michael, and which also you know a thirteen year old boy at that age liking George Michael would probably be you know this is very unexpected. So um, I don't want to spoil too much about you know what what happens with all that. But suffice it to say, Pretty Boy brings a lot of humor uh, through just his own antics. Uh, and through his unusualness, and he's a he's a real kind of heart of of the book in many ways. Yeah, and it, it it's fantastic. I mean, obviously that that's part of where the title comes from, Winona for, Forever. She certainly was breaking in at that time, and and you know Beetlejuice and all that, and be very well known. And it all it all circles back with her, you know, being a cast of Stranger, uh, part of the cast of Stranger Things. Which I, you know, it's so cool that all sort of serendipitous in a way. 
No, it, it really is. It's sort of strange how those things are all folding in on e- each other, uh, you know, and it's it's um, uh, it's it's been fun to really play with that. And and, you know, back to Winona herself, like at that time, you know, Winona, Minnesota was probably 20,000 people. It's a really small town, not a lot happening. And so for someone like me that didn't feel like they fit in and always felt like there's there's some place out there for me, this town doesn't necessarily fit me. Uh, the idea that Winona Ryder was becoming the star and she was from this town gave me hope. So in many ways, she's sort of like a you know, patron saint or beacon uh, for the kids in the book because she was for me also. Well, hopefully she hears about the book and checks it out. So it would be great to have like a pull quote from one other writer, right? Okay. Right. No, that would be super cool. I would be, I would be really honored. Like, hopefully, you know, she would feel honored because that's that's kind of part of the point of the book. It doesn't really center around her, but it certainly is. Um, she's definitely like it's an homage in some ways, a soft right. homage to her and what she represented. Well, Elijah, talk to us a little bit about uh, coming up with the designs for the characters. How much did uh, did Sean already have have laid out? How much did you get to to bring to it? And uh, were these characters you were able to nail with kind of the first design or, or did you have to kind of uh, go through several iterations to, to kind of get it right? Yeah. I mean, we, when I first read through the script, I kind of had my own, my own idea of what the characters were going to look like. Um, and I think those ideas were refined with, with Sean's help. What, what Sean managed to do throughout the book, which has been really cool is, is um, create Pinterest boards for certain characters. So sci-fi will have, you know, some images, you know, the, the calculator watch, which you can see sometimes throughout the book. Um, you know, Boots will have her, her headphones. You'll see the Walkman sometimes. He provided images of that. Um, and so I was able to sort of merge my, my idea for, for those characters, the, the, the vision I was seeing with those details and those elements that just kind of enriched it, I think. Um, and I think it was funny because we just about nailed, we nailed, Darby and sci-fi, I think right off the bat, it was, it was pretty boy in boots that took a little more tweaking. Uh, and there's original designs that maybe we'll, we'll share with, with everyone one day that are, that are just fun to see after the fact, because I think pretty boy had his hair all the way slicked back and he looked very sort of, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't quite look as, 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 uh, you know, as fun and stylish as he does now. And, and boots, boots kind of looked a little more disheveled and a little more, maybe she, she was um, more intimidating looking and um, just little things like that, that, that we were able to collaborate with and um, little, little details that made, made things work a little more. Like Sean talked about how boots maybe was wearing this oversized jacket rather than wearing like a, a, a normal fitting jacket to kind of highlight the fact that she is still, you know, she's still a little girl, but she's kind of fronting a little bit and she's trying to be a little more mature, uh, even though she still has a lot of growing to do. Um, and, and same with, uh, with a pretty boy, maybe he, he probably as this character developed, he looked a little more, I don't want to say ridiculous isn't the right word, but a little more like, you know, ostentatious. Maybe he, you could tell that he was really putting a lot of, work into his look and um i think as the books go on we really kind of um <laughs> we put a lot of of uh highlight on that so um yeah it, it was super fun i love being able to read a script and 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 being able to see the characters and being able to develop them and um you know with with the collaboration that we did it just sort of became second nature at some point was it a, a challenge obviously we talked about this book being set in the 80s and, and the nostalgia so you've got to have little details that 
you know, pull us back. I certainly had a calculator watch. I certainly had a, a, a Walkman. Uh, so talk a little bit about the challenge of doing that, but also making sure that it, it feels modern. I mean, you want to be nostalgic. You want to have it in that setting, but visually you want to be sure that it's not kind of stagnant and it's not an old kind of style, right? You still want it to feel modern. Is that, is that kind of tough to find that balance? It was, it was a little tough in the, in the beginning just to, for, because I've not had, wasn't alive in the eighties, obviously. Um, I, I always say that I'd never, I've never seen a Walkman in person. Um, yeah. Maybe up wow. until recently. Um, Doesn't that make you feel old like me, Sean? Oh, you know, in a, in a way, but then there's also kind of a delight in it. Like, Oh my God, like he's never seen a Walkman. And, and it was kind of fun, Jason, because then I also got to like, like you said, with the Pinterest boards, I got to show him things in the script that I was talking about. And I was like, okay, yeah, here's what the posters would have looked like in their classroom at the time, uh, you know, things like that. So it, it was a good walk down memory lane for me. Cool. Go ahead, Elijah. We did make yeah. it up. No, no, no. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Like it was it was fun, too, because I, I sort of bring a style. My natural style is very comic booky, very sort of rooted in Tim Sales, one of my favorite artists. Mm. I, I take a lot of inspiration from him. Very, very large, dark shadow shapes kind of throughout uh, pages. And I was so, sort of able to bring a little bit of that, which I feel modernizes uh, the look of a graphic novel or a comic book. And then create some of those details that Sean was able to provide. I think it's a great example of those posters in the classroom because uh, if you look closely, those are are hand drawn. I, I took the reference that Sean provided. There's a Yoda one that says, you know, read you must or something, um, <laughs> and I uh, was able to kind of recreate those by hand, and it just adds another another flavor of of you know this is what what things looked like back then. And even though I wasn't around for that, I think people who who maybe were, you know, were in classrooms at that point in time might see that and, and think about reminisce a little bit. So I'm, I'm hoping that that moments like that combined with sort of just the, the, the expertise I have as a budding graphic novelist helped kind of blend those, those uh, elements together. Well, what I find interesting, you know, you mentioned Tim Sale, so many of his uh, books, when you talk about the setting there, they're very much sort of sort of timeless, right? Like in, in terms of visual style, that, that that's a style that's never going to get stagnant. But a lot of times, especially in his work with Jeff Loeb, they're set in you know certain time periods. You know, Daredevil yellows in the in the '60s. You know, same thing right. with Spider-Man blue and that that sort of thing. Um, and his Batman work is probably you know a little a little earlier than that, more more gothic. So it, it's certainly I think a, a challenge, but a one that's great to aspire to, to, to be, set it in a certain time period, um, but still have that visual style that's going to stand the test of time. Uh, the other thing about that in terms of setting it in a certain time period, Sean, in a way, the time period itself becomes a, a character, right? It becomes, um, you know, kind of the, the overall setting that we can relate to, just like, you know, I relate to uh, uh, you know, sci-fi or, or I relate to Darby. Um, I, I bring something else to it because I have those memories, but somebody coming into it new, they're learning about this setting sort of just as they learn about the characters. Is that a, a challenge to make sure you give enough kind of detail, but not get lost in the minutia of the eighties, uh, for example? Yeah, no, I think so. And I, I think that's a, that's a great question. Um, it was something I definitely thought about because 
for this book, I really wanted to write it for all ages as much as possible. So I wanted people like you and me who lived during this period to get something out of the book and enjoy it and not think, oh, yeah, that was a great book, but it's for young kids. But then to be able to, you know, kids eight, 10 to read it and understand uh, was a challenge. And so I, I think the beauty of graphic novels, comics, it's, you know, is is that there's so much context because you've got an image that tells a lot of story. And then when you combine it with what people are saying, uh, you know, or a caption, it adds to it. And so there's, you know, there's words in there that kids of today wouldn't necessarily know. Um, and sometimes even regional slang that I incorporated into the book because I wanted to be really specific. But I think because of the you know visuals, the context, et cetera, that they're able to make sense of it. So, you know, like a word like grody gunk, you know, that comes a little bit later. Like we right. don't use the word grody anymore, but hopefully you, with the context, you go, oh, okay, I, you know, even as a, a kid should be able to understand. Um, but but you're, you're right. I, I, I never wanted it to be overwhelming that it was just like, so much 80s that it overwhelms the story. The right. 80s is like a flavor, uh, you know, in the mix, but it's like a, it's a um, complimentary flavor, you know, within the stew of the book, uh, rather than, you know, oh, wow, that's, a, that's a lot of 80s. I, <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah, no, it, it was definitely something I, I thought about um, a lot. Now, Elijah, the, uh, the, antagonist in the book that this secret society uh, and you mentioned kind of your uh, affinity for for horror you you could have gone like all the way off the board terror you know terrifying images uh you know really scary stuff it's not really the aesthetic you're you were going for so was that a, a was that fun for you to kind of dial back your your proclivities to do really scary stuff uh and kind of set it in a more you know comic booky all ages style hundred percent. It was super fun. I, I, I always, I always love taking risks with, with my, my artwork and with, with, you know, whatever projects I take on. And I felt at the time when we first started doing this, this book, that it would be risky for me to try, try something very different than what I usually do. And my sort of knee-jerk reaction in terms of drawing something on a, on a blank piece of paper is to draw something a little more frightening. Um, so when we finally did get to those pages where we had to introduce the villain, um, it was it was kind of fun to strike up that balance, say, okay, I need to create a character that's intimidating, that looks a little frightening, but I can't go all out. I can't make him, you know, look like this ghoul lurking in the shadows. I can't, you know, we have kids reading this that are going to you know, want to throw the book out the window. Of nightmare. Uh, yeah, I don't want that. So um, it was it was fun to sort of just get a, get a touch of that that sort of um, that creepiness and and bring it to that. Um, and you see that sometimes throughout the book. I think with Beck, Beck was a funny addition because when we were first developing Beck, Sean wasn't quite sure what Beck was going to look like, and I ended up bringing Boris Karloff to the table as inspiration. Um, and that's kind of where he, he, became, he became one of my favorite characters to draw just because he's sort of this ghoulish, out of place looking character. Um, and his role in the book is, is very interesting and, and, uh, and fun. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging, but in, in the best, most gratifying way. Cool. Uh, well, Sean, if people want to get the book, right? Like you, you, you kickstarted, if I'm not mistaken, you kickstarted the first two volumes. I imagine a Kickstarter is coming for um, 
for volume three, right? And they'll they'll have yeah. uh, opportunities to get the first two. But what if they don't want to wait? Is, there's other ways to get the book right now, right? Yeah, yeah. You can get the book. Uh, you can get parts one and two, which are the two available right now at WinonaForeverBooks.com. So if you just so search, if you, even if you search for Winona Forever graphic novel, you'll find it. But WinonaForeverBooks.com. Um, and then, like you were saying, JC, yeah, we will definitely do a Kickstarter for the last two uh, parts, three and four. Um, and, and I think we'll do part three in February. So uh, the Kickstarters have been awesome. We've been kind of building a community um, through that. And then, you know, people get the book sooner than kind of the general public by joining the Kickstarter. And then they find out, you know, updates more uh, quickly than others. So, yeah. Winonaforeverbooks.com. Great. I'll put a link in the show notes, everybody, uh, to the site if you want to go and pick up uh, volumes one and two before the, the next Kickstarter. Uh, and actually, my next question was going to be about community, and Sean uh, mentioned it. So, uh, Elijah, how's, how's the reaction been? How has it been seeing this, you know, kind of take on a life of its own out in, in the world? Uh, it's been super cool. I, I've, I would say that at this point in my life, I, I, I haven't really been involved in any projects that have kind of come back to me in this way. I've, I've had, had a lot of friends and family supporting the project, of course, but I've had people that I've, I've never met kind of complimenting my work and, and uh, just being very kind and, and very sort of excited about the book, which um, was sort of something that we dreamed about. Would people be excited about this story? Would people want to, want to keep reading? Um, and it helps too, when you're, when you're drawing these, these books, because any, any comic book artist will tell you that it's, you know, it can, it can be work that, that wears you down sometimes. Um, but to know that there's people out there that, that are really want to read this and are, are excited about it, it, um, it's super encouraging. So it's, it's just, it's just been a great experience to hear all the, all the positive feedback. Fantastic. Well, as we're winding up here, Sean, uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you online if they want to follow your work and uh, anything else you want to share with our uh, listeners or viewers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Instagram is probably the best place. And I'm Sean Patrick Boyd on Instagram and it's S-H-A-W-N. Uh, and that's yeah, that's the main place. I post a lot about the book and, you know, just other things I find interesting in the world. Fantastic. And what about you, Elijah? You can reach me at uh, eliartonline.com. That's sort of the best place to reach me. You can, you can send me messages there. You can check out my work. Um, you can also look at my work on uh, Instagram. Same thing, eliartonline. Uh, you can also message me there and contact me. Um, and if you're feeling up to it, I have a TikTok. Same thing, eliartonline. I post some work there, some videos. Uh, posted a video about our Comic-Con experience if you want to check that out. So, uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff. <laughs> Well, fantastic. And we look forward to uh, the, the new Kickstarter starting uh, in the new year for, uh, for volume three. Uh, again, best of luck with the project, guys. I, it, it's fantastic. It speaks to me. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a kid of the 80s, so I, I really enjoy it. Uh, and yeah, again, good luck. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you, Jace. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been, it's been awesome. So to all you listeners, we want to thank you for your support as always. And we wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays in this holiday season. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. 
or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.